This afternoon, we are giving our attention to God's word as summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 45 of the Catechism, which is the first Lord's Day in the section dealing with prayer. We'll be focusing this afternoon especially on what we believe and confess about the necessity of prayer for Christians. In that connection, let us read from the Word of God from Luke chapter 11, the verses 1 through 13. Luke chapter 11, the verses 1 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord our God. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for A friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So far, reading from Luke 11. We now turn to the Heidelberg Catechism, giving our attention to Lord's Day 45. And here we make our confession according to the word of God as follows. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by him? First, we must from the heart call upon the one true God only, who has revealed himself in his word for all that he has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery so that we may humble ourselves before God. 
Third, we must rest on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord, as he has promised us in his word. What has God commanded us to ask of him? All the things we need for body and soul, as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord himself taught us. What is the Lord's Prayer? And then follows the Lord's Prayer. It's found in two places in the New Testament, Matthew 6, Luke 11. We, we read one of those, Luke 11. After the sermon in response to the proclamation of God's Word, we'll sing about our confidence that God does hear our prayers in Christ, hymn 63, verse 1. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, most people know that to have a good relationship, you need to have good communication. And if you ask most young couples who are preparing for marriage the question, what are some important things for a marriage to function well, nearly always, right near the top, they will say you need to have good communication. But the problem is that good communication can be difficult. We know it in theory that good communication with our Heavenly Father is an important part of our relationship with Him. We know that prayer is important. But let's be honest. If we were to make a list of the things in our Christian life that we think we're actually doing a fairly good job of, how many of us would put prayer somewhere near the top? Most of us, if we're honest, would admit that this is an area of life that we can do a lot of growing in, in ensuring that prayer is a regular part of our life in praying in a heartfelt way, and even knowing what to pray for. You see, there's, there's bigger things at play when it comes to communication in a relationship than just the communication itself. To illustrate that, just think of the role that communication plays in our own relationships. When I was younger, before I was married, a phone call from Canada, where I was living at the time, to Australia, where my beloved was living at the time and my family was living, would cost about a dollar per minute. And you can imagine then, phone calls are going to be infrequent and they're going to be usually short. Today, Communication has drastically changed. You can talk to people on the other side of the world for as long as you want. You can be video calling them from a boat, from a beach, and you can see them. You can be sending people texts. You can be following what they're doing. 
we live in an age of incredible communication, like, like never before. But has the increased communication improved relationships? That's a different question. Despite all these improved tools of communication, despite the fact that we've got smartphones and we've got email and we've got computers and we've got social media, we've got the internet, that doesn't necessarily mean that there will be better communication, better relationships. Because if you are not on speaking terms with someone, then all the phones and new means of communication in the world will not help you one single bit. The point is, if there's no communion, then the communication is going to break down no matter what technology you have. And this is important for us to think about in our relationship with our Heavenly Father and the communication that we have with Him. And that's why I said there's something bigger at play than merely the communication. The answer to the difficulties we sometimes experience with prayer is not about somehow coming up with a better system of doing things, better wording of doing things, new techniques, although all of those things can help. Good habits can help. They're important. But if we're struggling in our communication with the Lord, what we need to start with is our communion, our relationship with him. Questions like, how often do you pray? When do you pray? What, what do you pray for? Do you always pray from the heart or is it sometimes just words? Questions like that need to have as their starting point our understanding of who we are and who God is and how we relate to him. And that's why when we go through the doorway of Lord's Day 45 this afternoon, we want to start exactly there. Together with Lord's Day 45, the Catechism is about to begin a small miniature course in prayer, a biblical course, a course that's based on the prayer the Lord Jesus himself gave when his disciples asked the question that, He would teach them to pray. But before we we dive into the details of the Lord's Prayer, what Lord's Day 45 wants us to do is to be thinking about some of the basics of what prayer is about. Why is it needed? What are the elements that make healthy prayer? And the key thing we need to recognize is that For us to have good communication with our God, we need to begin with good communion with him. And so I proclaim to you God's word using this theme. God commands his people to pray in order to receive his gifts in faith. And we'll consider two things. Firstly, pray to ask him for these gifts. And secondly, pray to to thank him for these gifts. 
So God commands his people to pray in order to receive his gifts in faith. Firstly, pray to ask him for these gifts. Sometimes the questions in the catechism can be of particular importance in helping us enter a topic from a biblical perspective, and that's the case here as well in Lord's Day 45. We don't just get general questions about prayer, but the very first question is, why is prayer necessary for Christians? See, the catechism is a confession of the church. This is the confession of the believer. This is a confession of someone who knows who the Lord is, someone who, as Lord's Day 1 says, I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a believer. That's a Christian. And we've made our confession about what a Christian is earlier in the Catechism in Lord's Day 12, where it even asks that question, why are you called a Christian? The answer, because I am a member of Christ by faith and thus share in his anointing. Christian is a word that comes from Christ. Christ means anointed. He was anointed with the Spirit as prophet, priest, and king. We are Christians because we are anointed with the Spirit for tasks as prophets, priests, and kings. And this comes because we share in his anointing by faith. That's going to be a critical element of our understanding of prayer. Faith. And that's why it's mentioned in the theme of the sermon as well. It's about receiving God's gifts in faith. Faith captures the perspective of the believer that in response to the word of God, we accept God's gifts, we accept his promises, we believe what he says. That's faith. And that's at the heart of what being a Christian is. It is those who are members of Christ by faith. And not merely just as intellectual knowledge, you know certain catechisms, you know certain texts, you know certain facts. No, you're a member of Christ by faith. You believe in him. You entrust yourself to him. This is about dependence. It's about a relationship with the Lord. It's about communion. A member of Christ by faith is someone who, by the grace of God, has been, has been grafted into his people and who belongs to Christ. And these are the people we are talking about here. Prayer is not possible for everyone. Let me repeat that. Prayer is not possible for everyone. You may say, really? Doesn't God hear all prayer? No, I'm going to explain that. God does not hear all prayer. Let me explain. Because if prayer is communication with God, does God hear all prayers? If you look carefully at the question of the second question in this Lord's Day, you'll see that the question even assumes that there are prayers God does not hear. 117, what belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by him? That implies there are prayers that don't please God and that are not heard by him. 
Now, of course, there is a sense in which God hears every prayer. God knows all prayer. God is all-knowing, of course. But just like in human relationships, it's possible to give someone the silent treatment. Have you ever experienced that? Someone hears you very well, but they pretend they don't hear you. And they'll say, well, I hear you, but I'm not listening. Well, they just ignore you. They pretend they can't hear you. Well, the Bible makes it clear that this can also happen to people when they pray. God knows what people say in that respect. There's no prayer that is uttered of which he is unaware. This is what we read in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Spreading out your hands, that's a reference to a posture for prayer. And that's confirmed by the second half of the verse. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. There are prayers God is not pleased with. There are prayers he refuses in his divine wisdom to hear. He says that to Israel and Isaiah 1 And these are church people. So that makes it an important question. When might this happen? When, we could put it this way, when would we not be on speaking terms with the Lord? Well, the answer would be the reverse of what the catechism says in question and answer 117. Because there it lists the things that are necessary for prayer that pleases God, and he does here. When would prayer not please God? When would he be displeased with it? And as Isaiah 1 says, that he refuses to listen, well, the first thing would be if we pray to the wrong God. Or if we pray with a, to the wrong God for the wrong things. And if we're not asking him for the things that he commands us to pray for. The second thing that question answer 117 would address is if we're praying with the wrong attitude. Instead of depending on him in humility and in reverence, if we come before him with arrogance, like that Pharisee in the parable in Luke 18. The third factor would be if we come praying on the wrong basis. So if instead of relying on the blood of Christ, if we rely on ourselves or our achievements and we expect God to hear us because of them. And it's this kind of scenario that is at play in Isaiah chapter 1. God's people, they pray. They are doing their activities of worship. But God says he will not listen. Why? Because your hands are full of blood. They may be God's covenant people at that time, but these are not a people who are living in faith. And the evidence is on their hands. The evidence is in their lives. They are not living in love for their neighbor, and there's a list of 
accusations that the Lord brings before his people about the kinds of things they are doing. They're not bringing justice to the fatherless. They're not taking care of the widows. They are taking bribes. They are living in hatred to those around them. It's evident that they are not living as God's people. They are not living in faith. They are not living as members of Christ. There's a communion breakdown, and that's why there's a communication breakdown. And so that means, spiritually, communication's not just automatic, as long as you say the words, like being at the drive-thru, say the right words and your order will arrive. Hopefully they get the right thing. No, prayer involves more. Just like our communication today involves more. You may have the latest mobile phone, but if you've got no SIM card in there, you're not going to be able to communicate. If the battery's flat, you are not going to be able to communicate. If you've got no credit, you are not going to be able to communicate. If you've got no range, you are not going to be able to communicate. And the decisive thing for proper communication, for prayer with the Lord God is that there is proper communion with God. Let me repeat that because that's a very important point. For proper communication with God, there must be proper communion with God. Communion. That means fellowship. And that's built into that answer of 117 about the prayers that do please God and that are heard from him. Proper communion. The first point mentioned there is that we must, from the heart, sincerely call upon the one true God only as he's revealed himself in his word. We must be praying to the right God. We must be praying for the right things as he has told us in the Bible Otherwise, we utter words, and it's like dialing a wrong number. You may say all kinds of wonderful things, but the person on the other side doesn't hear anything. The second thing, question answer 117 mentions, is a right attitude. We dare not come before God based on our own achievements Elevating ourselves as if we have somehow a right to be heard in and of ourselves. No, instead, we need to come before God humbly like that tax collector did in the Gospel of Luke, acknowledging, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. We need to recognize that there is a barrier between us and God, and unless God removes that barrier, our prayers are not going to arrive at the heavenly throne, and that barrier is sin. Sin is the static that breaks up the phone call, and as a result of the static of sin, things will not get through. That sin needs removing, and we need to acknowledge that. We need to humble ourselves before God. So how does the static of sin get removed where are we going to get the credit that we need to place that spiritual conversation? Well, the third point 117 mentions is the firm foundation that although we don't deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord. And this means our prayer needs to have the right basis. 
Because only Jesus can remove the static, the barrier of sin. Without him, we have no credit. We have no right to address our Heavenly Father. We, we cannot call on his name and expect our pleas to be heard. Nothing at all. Prayer begins with knowing the Lord. It begins with knowing the Lord Jesus. Prayer from beginning to end needs to be molded by the fact that we are children of God in a relationship with God only through the Lord Jesus Christ. For good communication, for prayer, for good communion with God, we need to understand the restored connection that God establishes, that he makes with us through our mediator, Jesus Christ. He is key to prayer. He is the first word, and that's why he calls us to address God as our Father. He's our Father through Christ, and he's the last word we pray in the name of Jesus. All of prayer is only possible through through him and through his blood. And the more we see him, the more we understand what he has done, that's going to help us to pray. The more we understand God's grace in accepting sinners as his children, the more we get that, the more we learn to call on his name as children who are amazed and glad and eager to go to a heavenly father. For we know we have a savior who who comes and who fixes the broken lines and who restores our credit and he removes all the obstacles. Isn't this the lesson of human history? If we go to the beginning of the Bible and we we look to the end of the Bible over and over again, we, we see that it's in Christ that God restores communion with his people. In the beginning, Adam and Eve, they walk with God. Perfect communication. Perfect communion. And what breaks that? Sin does. As a result of sin, they're cast out of the garden. The, the way with blazing swords is, is prevented. They cannot come back in. Communication is broken down. They, they hide from God. And now, as a result of sin... Human beings are not by nature beloved children. No, we make ourselves enemies. And by our daily sense, we, we constantly offend God. We, we make ourselves hostile to him. We don't deserve gifts. Do you expect your enemy to phone you and wish you a happy birthday, to send you a lovely birthday gift in the mail? That's not going to happen. Not if there's a completely broken relationship. And this is what sin does, and that's how it affects prayer. And as a result, sin can make us even afraid to communicate. This is why in 1 Peter, it even speaks about prayer in in connection of a marriage and how when there is sin, it can become an obstacle for prayer. The same happens in human relationships if a relationship has broken down, communication is not going to be great. Maybe a restraining order gets placed and, and you can't even be on the same property as a person. Maybe your phone number gets blocked. There's no way you can call. 
Brothers and sisters, realize that's what sin does. And that's what Jesus Christ comes to, to remove, to fix. This isn't something we do by ascending a ladder into heaven and chipping away at the obstacle. No, God comes. God sends his own son to be like us. He takes the initiative. He suffers on the cross. He dies in our place. He experiences the judgment, the being cast out forever. He experiences that on our behalf. He comes to us. And when we have broken the communion, he comes to restore it, to fix it. There's a number of places in our confessions where we confess this in a very beautiful way. One of them is in the Belgian Confession, Article 17. And this is an article that follows articles about the incapability of man and his inability to do what's good, original sin. But then what does God do? Article 17, when man plunged himself into physical and spiritual death and made himself completely miserable, our gracious God in his marvelous wisdom and goodness set out to seek him. Seek man when he, trembling, fled from him. He comforted him with the promise that he would give him his son, born of woman, to crush the head of the serpent and to make man blessed. God comes to us through the seed of the woman, through the Lord Jesus, to restore what we have broken. And that's why, brothers and sisters, that question at the very beginning is so important. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? For those who know Christ, for those who love the Lord, who confess Him, who serve Him, who who see the joy of being in a restored relationship with Him, this is not a prayer for everyone. Even the Lord's Prayer, it's not a prayer for the world to take on their lips. It's a prayer intended, first of all, for the church, for the people of God, for the disciples of God, for those who are members of Christ by faith, to those who are in a new relationship with God. Jesus alone is the operator who can connect the calls, who gives the credit necessary for them to happen. He alone makes communication possible as our advocate, our mediator. Brothers and sisters, do you then have the right to communicate with God? Throughout the scriptures, we see how the Lord comes to us first with the promise of this mediator. You don't have to work to somehow earn enough credit to, to purchase your own phone, spiritual phone, and get your own credit so that you can make heavenly calls. No, God comes to you with that as a promise in his covenant. That's how he deals with his people throughout history. He comes to Abram with his promise and says, you are my child and your seed. They even get the sign and seal of the covenant as confirmation that God is their God and that they can call him the Lord, their God. In the Old Testament, God's people are even given a temple 
as a visible sign of God's presence, a temple that pointed over and over again to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the sacrifices were about. They reminded God's people that they cannot come into God's presence. They deserve to die. But God gives a substitute. And through his blood, the blood of the coming Lamb of God, they can come and they can pray. You often read about prayer in connection with the temple. And this is why. Remember Hannah? That woman offering those heartfelt prayers. Where does she do it? She does it the dwelling place of God. Today too, we as God's people also come together communally as a congregation, as a people who know the name of our Savior and in light of his covenant promises to us which are signified and sealed in our baptism, in light of what God says to us that He has adopted us as his children. We may come to him and may call him father because he says that in Christ we may do that. God himself restores communion and he opens communication. This is why the word of God so often in connection with prayer highlights the work of Christ and it becomes an incentive for boldness. We sang earlier a hymn that's based on Hebrews 4, a hymn and a text that encourages us to approach the throne of God's grace with confidence. Why? Because we've got a high priest, Jesus. Hebrews 10 as well speaks about coming into the holy place with confidence, with boldness. John 16, Jesus speaks about the Father hearing prayers which are brought, he says, in my name. Apart from Jesus, there's no communion, there's no communication, there's no access, no range, no signal, no credit. But with Christ, there's communion. With Christ, there's communication. It's a free call for as long as you like. This is how we confess it in Article 26 of the Belgic Confession. We believe we have no access to God except through the only mediator and advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. In other words, no Christ, there's no access, there's no communication, there's no communion. But with Christ... That same article concludes, the very end, in conclusion, according to the command of Christ, we call upon the Heavenly Father through Christ, our only mediator, as we are taught in the Lord's Prayer. We rest assured that we shall obtain all we ask of the Father in his name. Brothers and sisters, do you see then that One of the key things that is going to be forming part of our prayer, the more we understand the the riches of being in a restored relationship through the blood of Christ, is to then express thanks to God for this relationship. And to express our, our need for our Savior's work. It's striking that the catechism makes a very close link between prayer 
and the law of God. You might think this is just a new section. We're done with the commandments. Now the catechism begins prayer. Well, not so fast. Because let's consider what the goal of God's law is. One of the purposes of the law of God, confesses question answer 115, is that we're going to be convicted of our sin. We, we see our need for a Savior, and what are we going to do then? We're going to seek more eagerly the forgiveness of sins and righteousness in Christ. In other words, the law is going to make us pray, to pray for forgiveness. And secondly, that as we're striving to, to be renewed in the image of God, we realize we need help and we pray to God for the grace of the Holy Spirit. So question 115 reminds us that the law of God has, has among other things, a, a, a dual purpose. It's going to make us pray. The more we listen to the law of God and we understand what God says and what he requires, as well as what he's promised, the more that's going to move us to pray because we see our sins. We pray for forgiveness. That's justification. And we see we need help in living thankful, godly lives. That's sanctification. And so we pray for God's grace of forgiveness and the grace of the Holy Spirit. And you'll see that reflected in the first part of question answer 116. God will give his grace, that's forgiveness, and the Holy Spirit, justification, sanctification, inward renewal, only to those who constantly with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. Once we understand what our Savior Jesus Christ has done for us, once we understand that heaven is open, one of the first things we are going to pray for is for his merits to be applied to our account. We're going to pray for the forgiveness we so desperately need and for the spirit we so desperately need. Lord, forgive me. Lord, renew me. We're not going to receive these gifts because we pray, as if somehow prayer is an achievement that God then rewards with these gifts. Rather, prayer is the means in which we exercise our faith in the God who has restored communion with us. Because you cannot receive Jesus Christ apart from faith. And prayer is the voice of faith. Prayer is the way you articulate, you verbalize your faith. And so it's fitting then that it's especially in prayer that we, we echo our understanding that we need forgiveness, that we echo our understanding that we need the renewal of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, are you asking for these things? Oh, there's, there's much more that we could add in terms of the things we ask. And, and when we work through the Lord's Prayer, it's, it's going to cover six petitions. And it's going to include even, the, as the fourth petition, praying for our bodily needs. It's all included. But let's focus on these things connected with our restored communion. Do you see your need for the grace of God? For forgiveness? 
And does the Word of God convict you? Does it make you see more and more you need a Savior? Does the Word of God make you more and more aware that as you try to live a Christian life, you really need help? Well, then, isn't prayer a wonderful gift? You may know that through Christ, your your sins are covered and heaven is open and you may go. And the Lord wants you to go as children asking him for these gifts. What does the amount of the communication that you have with the Lord, what does it say about your understanding of the communion you have with him? Let's say you've got a very close friend, and, and would you expect this person just to maybe send you a short text every two months? Of course not. The closeness of your relationship is going to be reflected in the communication you have. And so, the more we understand God's grace and our need for his grace, the more we are going to reflect that in our prayers. But secondly, we will not just pray to ask God for these gifts in the context of this restored communion, but also to thank him for these gifts. Now, as mentioned already, there are many aspects of prayer which the Lord's Prayer is going to cover, and it includes also our bodily needs. Let's focus this afternoon particularly on those aspects of God's grace and his Holy Spirit, on justification, on sanctification, on the forgiving work of our Savior and the renewing work of his Spirit. The more we understand that God in his grace accepts us as his children, the more we understand how great a deliverance we have, the more we will also in prayer want to express that to God, won't we? What could be more wonderful than to be restored from being an enemy, an outcast, an eternal outcast, deserving the fire of hell, than to be restored into communion with God, into his presence, now, forever, to be in a covenant with God, to have that relationship breakdown that we caused restored, and to be changed into a people who had no communion with God, to people who have communion with him, who have communication with him. Then as children, the more we understand what it means to be children, and the more we understand what our Father gives us, then the more we're going to express that in our prayers. This is one of the reasons why in the Scriptures so many prayers are filled with praise. That's the ultimate goal of prayer. In fact, if you look at the book of Psalms, the whole book of prayers, where does the whole book of Psalms lead up to? There's a reason Psalm 150 is at the end. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's where it all leads towards. And the praise to the Lord, it intensifies in those last five, six psalms and in the final psalm. And that's where the scripture ends, the last book of the Bible. Maybe a difficult book to interpret, but one thing's clear, everyone's praising God. There's praise from the angels in heaven, there's the praise from the saints in heaven, and that's where it ends. All praise and honor and glory to God. Why is prayer necessary for Christians. Yes, 
The more you listen, the more you listen to God's commandments, the more you listen to God's word, the more the Holy Spirit opens your eyes to, to the reality of who you are and what God has done. And that's what the Spirit uses to help us to pray. Praying is an activity of faith. Praying is itself worked by the Spirit. Prayer is when the Holy Spirit opens our eyes through the Word to see who God is. And when He moves our hearts and our words to say, Lord, thank you. Lord, yours be all the praise now and forever. And that's why this communication always needs to be two-sided. You can't speak to God if you first don't listen to him. Sometimes there are even people who are not active as Christians that say, well, I pray to God all the time. Well, how much do you listen to God? First, you need to listen. First, you need to have the Spirit open your eyes to who He is and, and what He has done. And, and that is what's going to move you to prayer. Are you struggling with prayer? Well, all of us do. Various times, various ways. But what do we do about it? We'll start by listening. To speak properly, first listen properly. Hear from the Word of God, who He is. Consider from His Word what He has done. The more you see Him, the more you understand His grace, that is what's going to move you to prayer. See, one of the biggest problems of our culture, when we think of the sins of our culture, we we often think of the more obvious things. We think of sexual immorality. Maybe we think of foul language. We think of violence. One of the biggest problems of our world today is a thing that's not there. It's the absence of God. God's not acknowledged. He's not mentioned. He's not part of life. And what the Holy Spirit does through the Word, as we listen to the Word, is is we see Him for who He is. We start to realize, I'm a child living in my Father's world. Things don't happen by chance. They are controlled by the sovereign God, and I belong to him. He is the one who determines everything that's going on. He is the one who determines what happens in my life. He is the one who also calls me to live in relation to him, and all of life is connected to him. And it's the word that's going to heal us of that sin of ignorance, of foolishness. It's the word that's going to help us to see who God is and this is something parents need to instill in their children. It's also one reason why reformed education is so important, that we realize that everything has a connection with God. Everything is about serving Him and relating to our Heavenly Father, and we are His children, and we live before His face. And brothers and sisters, the more we understand that, the more we understand the quality of our relationship with our God by grace through Christ, then prayer will not just be a matter of quality, but also of quantity. Because isn't it true that often the quantity 
is a reflection of the quality of a relationship. Good relationship, lots of communication. That's how it works. And this is one reason why the Bible exhorts believers, those who are connected to God through Christ, exhorts them to pray when? Constantly. This just needs to be part of who we are. That we see life in relation to the Lord and and we thank Him and we depend on Him and we ask Him in our hearts, in our minds, in our songs, in the music we listen to or when sitting down formally at the table with our families. Oh, someone might say, yeah, but I'm not sure I've got time. I'm busy. Well, how much other communicating are you doing on your phone? And what would the record of that communication say? Here's a quote quote that I came across from someone that is worth thinking about. It's this. One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove on the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. Let's be honest, that's usually not the problem. No, the problem is, do we understand the communion? Are we living out of who we are in the Lord Jesus? Are we listening to what the Word of God says about Him and what He has done? Brothers and sisters, keep listening. Keep craving to hear from the Word of God about the blessedness that God gives you in Christ. Be overwhelmed with that. The more you listen, the more you will learn to speak. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Well, the more you understand what it means to be a Christian, to be privileged to be a member of Christ by faith, then the more prayer becomes part of your life. It's not something that just gets inserted awkwardly like some embarrassing phone call. No, it's part of an ongoing relationship. It's about all of your life connected with your heavenly Father. Do you see in him the riches of communion that you have? See it and make those lines of communication busy this week accordingly. Amen.